G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Introducing you to the disobedient prophet, Jonah. Here's Dr. Michael Youssef. I'm not standing here condemning Jonah. I really am not. I'm trying to learn from him. He could have said, I know the answer. Turn the boat around 180 degrees, head back, take me to Nineveh, and the storm will be over. But he didn't. Here's what Jonah's saying. He's saying, I would rather die than do the will of God. Welcome to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Heard on the radio, online, and through the Leading the Way mobile app. Learn more about all of these and more when you visit ltw.org. You know, the story of Jonah is one of those fun and exciting Bible stories, isn't it? But it's also an account of God getting up close and personal with a disobedient child. Now, if you disobey God, a big fish is probably not on the way to swallow you. But God may use another life circumstance to point a finger in your face, challenging you to deal with something in your life. Here's Dr. Yusuf continuing his series, Biblical Compassion, on Leading the Way. Have you ever been in a situation where you've tried to ignore the voice of God and the Word of God? You see, most Christians do not deliberately, openly, defiantly disobey God. There are some who do, but there are very few. There are very few who would say, God, I know what you want me to do, and I'm not going to do it. There are very few of those. I think most Christians basically turn a deaf ear to what God is saying to them, if they don't like what God is saying. Most Christians pretend they're not hearing God, even though He'll be talking to them. Most Christians, they try to pretend that they do not understand the Scripture when they know it is applying specifically to the situation they're in. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about being in a situation when you knew clearly what the Word of God is saying, but because you don't like it, you pretend you're not hearing. You pretend that you're not listening. Only those of us who have been there know the consequences of turning a deaf ear to the voice of God and the Word of God. To some, of course, these consequences may not surface for a long long time, but make no mistake about it, surfacing it will. Only those of us who have been there know the overwhelming grace of God when we repent and turn to Him and walk on the road to obedience and make good on our vows to the Lord. Maybe there's somebody who's listening to me who is adamant about doing his thing or doing her thing and not listening to the voice of God. And God has been sending you one signal after another, one prodding after another, one voice after another, one warning after another, including this one. And God is patiently waiting for your response. 
Now we saw in the last message that there are only two types of Christians. There are those who are traveling with the will of God, and there are those who are traveling against the will of God. We saw that in the last message. We saw that Jonah decided to travel against the will of God. We saw that when you travel against the will of God, several things happen. Number one, you pay the fare in full. Number two, you never complete the journey. Number three, you'll never get a refund. But when you travel with the will of God, the Lord pays the full fare, and you'll always complete your journey. Jonah, instead of going east, as God told him to go to Assyria, he went down and got a ticket on a boat that was traveling to Spain, which is the end of the world back then as they knew it. As far away west from east where God has sent him. But all the hound of heaven was watching him. The hound of heaven was not giving up on him. Look at verse 4 of chapter 1, the book of Jonah. And the Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, that there was a great storm on the sea, so that the ship was about to break up. Let me stop here and ask you a question. Do you know why God does not give up the pursuit of His children? I mean, do you understand that God just does not give up? Do you know why God doesn't just sit in heaven and say, Oh my, He wandered away from my will. Can't do anything about it. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> well, He went against my word. She went against my word. I'm dumping them. I'm going to get somebody else. Do you know why God doesn't do it? Let me give you a hint. <laughs> Before you answer the question to yourself, I'll give you some hints. I can tell you on the authority of the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation that God never dumps His own. God never lets a true Christian lose his or her salvation. Never. God never lets one of His own sheep fall into the abyss. Never. In fact, in John chapter 6, verse 39, Jesus said, Those whom the Father has given me, of them I will lose none. None, not one, of the Lord's inheritance will ever be lost. Now back to the question, since I've given you the hint. Why does God pursue His children? Let me tell you something. If God is not pursuing you, and you're living for self, and living for yourself, chances are you're not a child of God. And you need to become a child of God today. Because God loves you so. Because He loves you so much. Because His love is indescribable. Because His love has no end. Because God's love is wide and deep. Because of that, He will not let one of His own fall. And there's no clearer explanation of that love of God that will not let go, like it is here in the book of Jonah. Listen, the pagan sailors were terrified of the storm. They were terrified. Well, obviously this was unlike any storm they've ever experienced in all the years of crossing the Mediterranean. I mean, they've been going back and forth and back and forth. These are experienced sailors. They know 
the Mediterranean basin, backward and forward. This was like nothing else. But let me tell you something. Pagans in general are fearful of the natural phenomena. You know why? Because to them, nature is God. And when the gods are angry, <laughs> there is no higher power. Therefore, they are terrified at nature. Where was Jonah during this mess? Where was Jonah during this storm? Where is Jonah when, when a, the, the boat is about to break in two? Well, verse 5, it tells you exactly where he was. Jonah had gone below into the hold of the ship and lay down and went to sleep. <laughs> Please hear me right. Jonah does not only represent the individual Christian who is asleep in the midst of spiritual turmoil, but he represents the church of Jesus Christ that has gone to sleep while the world is in wholesale departure from the faith. Let me tell you what most of you already know. That it was when the church went to sleep... That is precisely when the forces of evil began to conspire and take over across the land. When the church went to sleep, abortion on demand became the law of the land. When the church went to sleep, God and prayers were kicked out of school and were replaced with guns and condoms. When the church of Jesus Christ went to sleep, drugs become rampant. When the church of Jesus Christ went to sleep, we are only one step, one vote away from homosexuality, not just becoming the law of the land, enforced upon us, but forced upon our children. Wake up, because the time is nigh. You know, I mean, what a wonderful, wonderful sight. Jonah, down, snoring. Man, you say, isn't he peaceful? Be careful of false peace. Be very careful of false peace. It can be very deceiving. It can be extremely deceiving. Jonah was snoring so loud that he cannot hear the raging winds on deck above. So many are asleep right now in the midst of a raging storm. And they are being lulled by smooth-talking politicians who quote the Bible. And hobnob with evangelicals. Let me tell you something. So many of us are deceived with this. Because we think that if we see a, a politician going into church with black, big black Bible in his hand. You know that means he really knows the Lord. The Bible said you know them by their fruit and you'll know them by their legislation. Amen. Those who vote. I don't care less on the right or the left. I am telling you. Those who vote for a baby to be killed just before he's born. They does not know Jesus. Amen. So many evangelicals are deceived that it breaks my heart. It really does, and I know it breaks the heart of so many of you. That they've been taken in, and they talk about forgiveness. That's not our business. God is the one in the forgiveness business. We forgive those who are dear and near to us. But I want to tell you something. It is how a person lives, how a person votes, how a person does, and how a person commits what? Principles a person lives by is what tell you whether the person knows Jesus or not. 
You've heard me say it before, and you will hear me say it again, and I will never get tired of it. Let me tell you something. Our problem is not corrupt politicians from the right or the left, but our problem is an apathetic, indifferent, disobedient Christian. Be careful of false peace. It could be just the sound of your snoring that is drowning the the noise of the brewing storm. These pagan sailors did everything they know to do. I mean, they did everything right. They dumped cargo overboard. They used logic. They used nautical science. They used common sense. They did everything they could. But listen to me. Here the problem was not the pagan sailors. The problem was the disobedient, indifferent man of God. The problem was a man of God who is drugged with indifference. The problem was a man of God who was oblivious to the Word of God. The problem was a man of God who puts himself ahead and above the Word of God. You know, I want you to notice several things, several ironies in this passage. There are three in number, three ironies. The first irony is in verse 6, the second is in verse 10, and the third, verses 14, 15, and 16. Mark them in your Bible. Irony number one, verse 6. It says that the pagan captain walked Jonah up. <laughs> Look at the verse, verse 6. So the captain approached him, and he said to him, How is it that you are sleeping? Get up, call on your God. You know, my beloved friends, sometimes unbelievers rebuke us Christians. And God permits that as a really terrible rebuke to us. The captain did not know who Jonah's God was. He didn't know who he was. You know, he's, a, he's but, but, but he, I mean, you know, even a, a good betting man got that in his head, realized that, man, our God's all bombed out. I mean, we called on every one of them and they all can help us. Well, let's wake up this guy over there. And he, his God might be able to help us. Well, let's, let's, let's just see. Well, this is our last chance. It's our last hope. Even the pagans recognized that this was an extraordinary storm. Even the pagans recognized that this is an unnatural storm. And verse 4 tells us that it was an unnatural storm. It was a storm that is a direct consequence of Jonah's disobedience. In fact, verse 10, you're going to find the second irony. The first irony we saw that was the pagan captain waking him up from his slumber. Second irony, verse 10, the pagan sailors were terrified of Jonah's God. (laughs) The pagan sailors were fearing the God of Jonah more than Jonah. Jonah's words obviously rung true, and they said they really recognized that he's telling the truth. And, 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 and these pagans, you see, knew the God of the Hebrews by reputation. Through the years and through all tradition, the stories have been transmitted from generation to generation, from nation to nation to nation, and they all knew the God of the Hebrews by reputation only. They heard the story of how the God of the Hebrews sent plagues on Egypt. They have heard the stories of how the God of the Hebrews opened up the Red Sea. They've heard how the God of the Hebrews, once they got them out, they closed the Red Sea on Pharaoh's army. They have heard how the God of the Hebrews provided them with food in the wilderness where people cannot survive even 24 hours. They lived for 40 years. They have known the God of the Hebrews only by reputation that He is the one 
one who made the walls of Jericho crumble. They knew that he was the God who's known to be a loving God, to be a faithful God. They knew Yahweh, Jehovah God, by reputation. And now, now they come face to face with one of his apathetic, indifferent followers. My beloved friends, let me tell you something. Sometimes in some situations, on some occasions, you're the only Jesus that people will know or meet. And you can imagine this sailor's reaction as if to say, who would want to run away from such a loving God? Who would want to run away from such a caring God? Who would want to run away and disobey such a, a caring God? Who would want to ignore such a God? But you know what? I think Jonah's counsel to the pagan sailors is far more apathetic than even running away, if that can be possible. I want you to look at verse 12. It is pathetic, the response that Jonah and the counsel that he gave them. He could have said, I know the answer. Turn the boat around 180 degrees, head back. Take me to Nineveh and the storm will be over. He could have said, I'm going to repent. I'm running away. He already told him he's running away from God. He said, I'm going to stop running away. Would you help me by taking me to Nineveh? But he didn't say any of this. He could have said, I repent, Lord God. Please stop the storm. I'm going to Nineveh. But he didn't. You know what verse 12 is saying? Verse 12 is saying that here's what Jonah is saying. He's saying, I would rather die than do the will of God. I would rather die than obey. That's what he's saying. Do you know that some Christians are so stubborn, so hard-hearted, that they actually would rather die than do what God wants them to do? Some of you might be asking right now, is that really possible? Is it really possible for a Christian to become so deaf and so hardened of heart that he prefers or she prefers death than obeying and doing the will of God in the Word of God? I wish, I wish I could say to you the answer is no. But unfortunately, the answer is yes. Sin can deceive to the point of death. And what I want to ask you today, have you deceived yourself so stubbornly, even to the point of death, because you don't want to do what God wants you to do? The third and the final irony is this. Verses 14, 15, and 16 these pagan sailors cried to God and believed in God. Isn't that amazing? Here's Jonah running away from the face of God because he did not want to see the heathen converted. <laughs> and God converts the heathen on his runaway boat. Someone said that non-Christians never looked better than when they are compared with some Christians. Certainly, this is true in this case. 
I mean, just think with me. The Jewish people, God's people, Jesus' own people cried out for His blood. Pagan Pontius Pilate says, no. This is a righteous man. Jonah said, throw me overboard. And they said, no, we don't want to sin against God. Can you imagine the spiritual sensitivity of the pagans compared with the man of God who's called by God to be a prophet of God? Every one of us in the New Testament is a prophet. We are a kingdom of priests and prophets because we have the prophetic word of God with us. And throughout history, we see God's people to be more blinded be more blinded than unbelievers. It would take me time to tell you some examples in history. Here's John writing to the end of the earth. Because he doesn't want to see converted people, God gives them to him. Right there on the boat. My beloved friends, I want to tell you, God loves his own. And because he loves you, he's not going to let go. And if you're turning a deaf ear to him right now, listen very carefully. He will always love you, no matter what. And he will always call you again and again. In fact, Paul told the Corinthians, there were some among them in that church who were so disobedient, who consistently lived in disobedience and refused to repent. That Paul said to them, he said, because God loves you so much and because He eternally saved you, He's going to take your life in order to save your soul. Don't get to that point. Don't get to that point. And that is why God welcomes a repentant sinner. He welcomes them with open arms. He loves you. He wants you to come back. And that is why He longs to see you make a difference in the world. And that is why God said that I stand on the door of your heart and knock and knock and knock until you open. And when you open, I'm going to come in. I bring you joy, forgiveness, and peace. Shall we pray? Father, protect us from deception. The worst of all is self-deception. That, oh God, we may travel with your will and in your will. For I pray that in Jesus' name. This is Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Make it a point to visit our website at ltw.org or call a ministry representative at 1-300-133-589. Hey, before our time is gone, allow me to give you a glimpse into one of the key outreaches of Leading the Way, particularly overseas. It's called the Leading the Way Navigator. It's a small MP3 player containing messages by Dr. Yusuf, as well as an audio Bible in the local language. These have been distributed in some very creative ways in jails, house churches, and areas where standard radio and TV broadcasts are unavailable. Here's just a sample of what folks hear when they receive a Leading the Way Navigator and turn it on. A partir de agora, você ouve com o Dr. Michael Youssef em Mostrando o Caminho, mais uma mensagem da série A Epístola de Tiago. For later on we see him discouraged and despondent. Pois mais tarde o vemos desencorajado e desanimado. Oh, but not this time. Ah, mas não desta vez. 
Acompanhe com detalhes como a palavra de Deus pode ajudar a mudar. Learn more at 1-300-133-589. That's 1-300-133-589. Or online at ltw.org. ltw.org. And we do love getting mail, don't you? It's fun to go to the mailbox still, isn't it? So drop us a note. Leading the way, P.O. Box 1900, Penrith, New South Wales, 2751. Leading the way, P.O. Box 1900, Penrith, New South Wales, 2751. As we bring today's Leading the Way program to a close, allow me just to take a moment and invite you to connect further by watching Leading the Way television. Each week, Like on radio, we dig deep into the Word of God to seek biblical wisdom for living. Leading the Way television is available in most areas on networks such as TBN, Daystar, God TV, Nine, Seven, and more. Visit ltw.org for details. That's ltw for leading the way. dot o r g. God bless. This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Yusuf. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 